Welcome to the new TV Gold podcast from Media Week's Andrew Mercado and James Manning, a podcast for people who love great television. On this episode of TV Gold, we're going to be looking at new programs on Disney+, Plus, Apple TV+, and Foxtel and Binge. Welcome to my co-host, Andrew Mercado. Hi, James. How are you? Very well, thank you. Look, let's get straight into it. The Clearing. It's an Australian original on Disney+. Plus. They haven't had a lot of Australian originals. Well, no, they haven't. This is absolutely their first ever commission. So it's taken them a few years, but it looks like, according to TV Tonight, Disney Plus arrived in Australia in 2019. So it's taken them three to four years to finally create and invest in a local Australian drama. Yeah, they announced 12 months ago this new drama, The Clearing, with a handful of other things. There was also some documentaries they announced and a couple of other scripted dramas that are coming, The Artful Dodger and The Last Days of the Space Age. Both things set a little bit in one set in the 1850s, I think, The Artful Dodger and The Last Days of the Space Age is a sort of a comedy drama, I think, set in a, in the 70s. Okay. So we can uh, look out for those. But look, The Clearing, look, I enjoyed it. I was a little bit confused, though, until things started to click into place for me. Yeah, the plot. Yeah, I must admit, I, I spent the first episode trying to figure out, uh, is all of this happening in real time or are we watching a flashback? Um, yeah, it, I mean, and I think there is a flashback thing going on within it, right? Well, there is, yeah. That's You, you realise that it's half and half almost. Yeah. And like you, I was wondering, well, why, aren't, why isn't this happening? Why isn't that happening? But then it comes... Probably halfway, maybe even two-thirds through that first episode, you realise yeah. that, okay, uh, the central character played by uh, Teresa Palmer is actually a participant in the whole cult thing. That's well, she's a standard. former cult member, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it was pretty obvious to me that she would be a former cult member because she's so twitchy. It's like, okay, <laughs> so the, the trauma you're, you know, dealing with now, even though you're, you know, out there living in the world, is clearly you were part of this hideous cult. And they are the most hideous cult, aren't they, James? I mean, basically, this this is a drama about child abuse. By the time mm. I was into the second episode and they were throwing little kids down holes in the ground and locking them up and giving another young girl LSD and locking her in a room and, and traumatising her, I was kind of like, my God, this is literally just a story about child abusers. It's the most, I mean, look, cults probably never make sense, right? Yeah. Like, you know, they're by their nature, they're going to be wacko. But this one just seems, you just, you just ask yourself, well, what is the purpose of this cult apart from some sort of sadomasochistic pleasure that Miranda Otto's character get, who's, would they call her mummy or something? Yeah, they call her mummy. So have you only watched the first episode, James? You didn't do two eps? No, I did the two eps. You did yeah. the two eps. So but you don't get much of... more explanation, do you, in the second of why they do this? No. And, I mean, it's kind of not like a religious cult, right? It's more a kind of a alternate lifestyle spiritual cult. <laughs> um, and, and she's very much taking all of these children. It, it feels to me like she's 
taken over, she's adopted children and they make a reference to some of those adoptions not being legal. She's adopted some kids from members in her cult and she's, you know, they talk about how they're bringing up this new generation of children who are untouched by the world's influences. So no TV, no junk food, all of this. But, you know, they are... dye all their hair blonde and give them identical haircuts. So you have these children that sort of look like something out of Village of the Damned um, or one of those weird British sci-fi things. But see, this is the part that's based on real life, right, James? Because that real life religious cult and i don't i don't know now whether they were a religious cult um the family that's that was uh being led by this sort of mysterious woman and all of the children in that real life australian cult they all had their hair dyed blonde so the um origins of this story although the clearing is a fictional story the origins of it are all very much based in fact right are they i'm not sure yeah, they are. The family, okay. the family was a thing. This is was it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Like there's been a documentary on the ABC about it. That's why they're at pains with that disclaimer at the beginning to say, whilst this sort of is based on something that happened, this right. story that follows is fictional, and you know we're, the, we're taking the origins of that story, but running with our own story. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean it starts off with just a the um. Somebody wandering down a um, well, it's actually there's someone in the water, isn't there? That's um, yeah. Uh, who we find out later is, I guess, Teresa Palmer. Yep. Uh, in the water, beautiful sort of misty morning, a little bit of fog over the water, and it cuts to a girl walking down a country laneway. It, it's a lovely setting. Looks like country Victoria. I think they filmed it in Victoria. Yep. Um, and then there's a bit of a horrific kidnapping. Horrific. Um, yeah, which is quite quite jolting. Which is, you know, the, the I guess that's the reason why they set it up in a nice nice country. Everything feels nice, you know. A little kid just having a, you know, minding her own business, walk, walking home or yeah, back home from school, I think. And then she's just dragged into this awful world, awful. Um, all these complete bloody weirdos, and you sort of you wonder what you know that. Kate Mulvaney's character, you know, what? why is she there helping run this, um, punishing these girls? And they just sort of, you can tell they're not completely happy, but they just look the other way, don't they, when, when yeah. they're being mistreated? This is the thing. There's not any likable characters in it at all so far that I can see. <laughs> Miranda Otto's the the weirdo that runs this group. Guy Pierce is kind of her offsider. He's doing, giving a great performance here. He sort of plays this kind of strange man with a bit of an accent who's obviously enthralled by this woman, the character played by Miranda Otto. But these two women that look after the children and basically torture them, cult Kate Mulvaney and Annalise Phillips. I mean, literally, you know, they're smacking them around the head and giving them food. They get like, you know, a couple of pieces of carrot and some peas for dinner and a cracker. And, oh, it's just horrible what they're doing to these children. Yeah, it is. Look, I, I kept looking at this thinking I wouldn't have minded if this was a little bit more of a conventional tale. Yeah. Um, there's a sort of a a police officer hanging around and you find out he's since retired and, you know, he's still 
I think Teresa Palmer once is, is that Hazem Shamas is that yeah yeah um, he is very good but you sort of wish he had a a bit more of a a significant role I guess um, Mark Cole Smith turns up as well um, in that towards the end of that second episode I think we we start to see him Guy Pierce doesn't have much to do in those is is it always a I don't know, it was a good presence on the screen, but he, he doesn't really have to do a lot. I'm I'm hoping that there's eight episodes on maybe we'll get to see more of him. I mean also I mean he's unhappy with the abduction. Yeah. Um, you know, but but still why is if he's unhappy with that, why isn't he unhappy about all the punishment that they're, they're forcing these girls? I mean, there's that awful scene where a girl's getting sort of um whacked on the backside, Miranda Otto's listening on the phone. To yeah, it's <laughs> presumably getting some sort of thrill out of it, you know. I, I I found the second episode, once they threw that little girl into the hole mm. um, and then the other girl had, you know, these two children were being abused, I actually found that really difficult to watch. And it, it's got me wondering whether or not I can do eight hours of this. You know, I'll do, I, I will do it if I know that it, it has an ending mm. and there's some justice and these kids escape. I don't know that I could watch this for five seasons. I don't know whether this is meant to be a, an ongoing going series or what but you know it's it, i just found it really disturbing and it's not terribly feel good is it oh it's not feel good at all um i mean there's a bit of a genre of these shows isn't there, in there Australia, is. of, of weird sort of cultish behavior in in lovely sort of rural settings you know yeah i'm i'm not sure how much of an appetite there is from the public for all this content, though, you know, it's um that and, and not a lot of it's very feel good, is it? No, and the the series that the ABC made about the real life group. This is based on the family. It's it was called the Cult of the Family, and okay. one of the disturbing things about this is that the woman who ran it, she was a yoga teacher, Anne Hamilton Byrne, um, and she uh, sort of it was a combination of. Christianity, uh, you know, and then kind of new age stuff. But, you know, in the end, they couldn't pin anything on her. There was obviously all sorts of incidents with uh, children and, um, you know, drugs and all of this stuff, um, but they were never able to pin anything on her. And I think she's now... I think she's died um, and she died with this huge fortune and the police could never pin anything on her. So when I'm watching The Clearing, knowing it's based on this and you've got all the cops kind of going, oh, the, the problem is we can't pin anything on her. It's like, my God, you know, if, if I'm going to spend eight hours <laughs> or watching this, I need to know that these child abusers are going to go to jail, you know, and get some justice. Yeah, look, in that first episode, a policeman comes to the actual Old and he he wants to go inside, but the 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 guy is it Errol Shand. He plays a very weak character, doesn't he? I think in that yeah. uh, in this, and he doesn't let him in because he wants a a um, search warrant. So the cop just walks away. And I'm thinking, well, wouldn't you go and get a search warrant and come back? Maybe you know, uh, yeah, and, and just investigate a little bit more. And the, the cops are sort of hiding outside, taking photos of the cult too, but. So I, we'll we'll probably see that explored and maybe learn why it, it took them, you know, if they ever did sort of get in and 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 um, uncover 
what was actually going on. It's made by a production company called Wood and Horse, which is relatively new. I think they're also involved in that Mark Fennell series stuff, British Stole. Oh, yeah. You remember that? Something very different to this, of course. Um, Richard Finlayson, a former executive at, um, at the ABC, is, is one of the partners, I think, in Wooden Horse. Uh, created and written by Matt Cameron and Elise McCready, who've worked on stuff together, uh, including Jack Irish, yep. um, Sunshine. Uh, Matt also um, was creator of Safe Harbor and Molly, the um, sort of the, was it a drama based around Ian Meldrum? Yep. Um, Lisa McCready also got some um, significant acting credits as well. And she turns up in this in a guest spot, I think, as a TV reporter. Look, I mean, it's incredibly um, well made. The cinematography is amazing. You mentioned, yeah. you know, the lake. Um, that's Lake Eildon, all these dead trees coming out of the water with the mist rising. I mean, it's directed by Jeffrey Walker, who's done Jack Irish uh, and Lambs of God. It's very atmospheric uh, and it's very hooky. But, I mean, you just need to be prepared that this is, this is a dark story and this could be triggering um, for people who don't want to watch shows where children are in such peril. I mean, look, TV is full of stories of missing children and American crime dramas, you know, always kidnapping children. It's a staple on TV. But, you know, you don't often see this kind of level of abuse um, being labelled to children as part of the show. So it's very disturbing. So, you know, I, I just put a bit of a warning out there that uh, it's it, it's not feel-good television, but it is incredibly well made. And, you know, this is one we might have to circle back to at the end yeah. and try and figure out where it's going to go to because the car, the incredible cast keeps coming. There's Claudia Carvin's going to be in it. We see Mark Cole-Smith briefly in it. Doris Yunane is there. Yeah. Xavier Samuel. I mean, it is an incredible cast, uh, and it 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 may end up being uh, quite magnificent. I just was. I just found the first two episodes uh, disturbing. Is the word I would use? Yeah, it's very freaky, and that's probably part of their intention too to really unsettle the audience. But but I think you've got to be careful doing that, haven't you? Because it it can make you just push it away and go, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I didn't. Don't really have time for this. Um, I think it's a welcome addition, though, to the the Disney Plus platform in Australia. For me, Disney Plus is like there's too many goofy comedies. Yeah. There's too much Star Wars. There's too many superheroes. Yeah. And a lot of this quality drama sort of falls through the cracks, if you like. And, you know, if you've got Disney Plus, you should really Google. They're about to take a whole bunch of titles off the platform. And some of these are Disney originals that they've made for the Disney Plus website. So, yeah, if you're interested in you've got Disney Plus, Google what's about to be taken off. Um, because if it was something that you were thinking of watching and you've never got around to it, you'd better get onto it real quick. There's some of the couple of other things I don't think we've really referenced them. There's a there's a series called A Small Light, which is about Anne Frank and her family, which which looks pretty good. There's something called Tiny Beautiful Things, uh, relatively recent, which I wouldn't mind investigating. And of course, last year I think we had Under the Banner of Heaven, 
yeah, which I just loved. You you were in there, but I don't think as much well, I watched, as I was. Yeah, I watched Under the Banner of Heaven to the very end, and I had the same feeling as this. It's like, why did yeah. I spend seven hours of my <laughs> life watching this story about these awful religious culty people? I don't, you know, I'm fascinated by them, but I, 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 have, I guess I have limited time as to how much time I want to spend watching these hideous people abuse children. Yeah, Candy was also a, a Disney um, plus. But again, that was very grim and dark, but it didn't drag you into it. It, it sort of kept the viewer at a distance. Yep. Whereas I'm not sure why, you, you know, it was certainly unsettling, but but not in the same way this was. And um, more recently, the the movie, the Kira Knightley movie, Boston Strangler. That, that, which, see, I thought that was sensational. Yes, I only watched this really last week. Good. And that's fantastic. Kira Knightley plays a journalist investigating all these um, murders in Boston that seems that she realises creates a pattern when the cops weren't doing a very good job. Yeah, that's a, that's a great watch. I'd recommend that very much. Yeah, and that's another story that's been re- – it was made back in the 60s with Tony Curtis and Henry Fonda. You look at the movie trailer for it now and you think, my God, that looks so pervy. Uh, <laughs> and now you now you get, you know, a female perspective going, hang on, let's have a look at the Boston Strangler and have a look at the fact that all of these women were getting strangled, but the men who rang the – ran the police departments and the newspapers were like, oh, it isn't a serial killer, whatever, whatever. You know, it's it's really interesting when you put some of these stories and history stories through the lens of a, a female point of view and say, actually, there's another story to tell about this on how, you know, the women in this story were ignored for a long time and the, the perpetrator was able to keep uh, going on because of uh, the way society was back then. Okay, that's The Clearing. It's on Disney Plus, eight episodes, and I think they're launching with two this week, and the the, the um, successive episodes will drop one a week. Something very different to this is Platonic, yep. which sees uh, Rose Byrne continue her relationship with the Apple TV Plus platform. Of course, we've spoken before about um, Physical, which is um, – you liked a lot, and I certainly enjoyed too. I love um, physical, and they're about to release a third season of physical from August, the third and final series. So that's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, platonic. Um, she co-stars with Seth Rogen. They've they've made a couple of movies before. I think the Bad Neighbors one and two. They played husband and wife. Um, this one, they're very much platonic friends, as the title suggests. Um, but it's really just a it's like one of those goofy comedies, isn't it? It's like those goofy comedy movies. This time it's stretched out over 10 episodes. Yeah. Um, launching with three episodes, then the remaining seven will drop um, weekly. Look, I thought it was fun, um, but not not really my cup of tea and not completely engaging. Look, um I think it's important to point out that Platonic is, as you just said, a 10-part TV series. I have repeatedly seen this referred to in the press as a movie. Uh I guess people just assume because Seth Rogen and Rose Byrne made a movie together, they've made a movie for Apple TV. They haven't. This is an ongoing series. (laughs) Look, I really enjoyed it, James, because it was feel-good. I was in a feel-good mood this week, you know, and and I love Rose Byrne when she's doing comedy like this. And one of the best things about platonic for me is you know one of the uh traps that a lot of tv series are falling into these days particularly series where there's extended families is that they feel like 
every member of the family has to have a storyline and there has to be a subplot going on to explain what that why that person's in the show. What I love about Platonic is that Rose Byrne is married to Luke McFarlane and they have three kids, but the three kids are kind of, they don't have a story. You see them at breakfast, they get a line or two, but we're not having to give a story to every one of those kids and everyone. This is a story about Rose Byrne playing Sylvia, who's been a, you know, a housewife and has hasn't been working in a job, bringing up her kids, reconnecting with her old friend, Will, as played by Seth Rogen, who is now divorced. They had a falling out because she didn't like the woman that he was going to marry. And they've had a big falling out. So they have to kind of work through that. Are they going to be friends again? And then she kind of discovers he's this really cool guy. He runs a, a brewery and uh, he's a, you know, a, what do you call those? guys specialty brewers or there's a word for it you know a boutique, boutique, a brewery. boutique brewery he's wanting running a boutique brewery so he's cool he dresses very cool and so she starts hanging out with them and i love it that it's a story just about them with a bit of her husband who's a lawyer and she gets into a lot of i've watched five episodes of oh, it wow. i just couldn't stop watching it i'm not saying it's the greatest tv show on the planet but it leaves a smile on your face and i love seeing Rose Byrne being funny like this and being cheeky. She's this housewife sort of re-entering the world. There's an episode where they go out and have a night on the town and they bring out this bag of white powder and they go, go have some of this. And so she snorts a line but thinking it's cocaine and discovers to her horror that it's ketamine. And she said, what is that? And they go, oh, it's a tranquilizer for horses. And what happens next? And it's hilarious. So I just love that it's funny and it's about, uh, you know, can these two, can this man and woman be friends and not have sex? And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's just got a nice, easy concept and it's light viewing half hour episodes. Apple TV does this really well. We've seen this with Ted Lasso. You can just put something, one of these shows on and you'll get a smile on your face from it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I sort of like where the show's going and the fact that as they reconnect more and the relationship becomes more consuming, it yeah. starts to impact and destabilizes their their lives. You know what Correct. that means? Well, the way that that's sort of a a nice sideline to it. Yeah, there's a there's a nice little promo video that you can watch on um, Apple with the, it's very short, it's only a couple of minutes, but but Rose and um, Seth Rogen talking about the movie and they- The TV what, series, it's a TV series, oh, sorry, you call it a movie, you just TV. did what everyone's doing. <laughs> <laughs> they talk about the TV series and say, look, yeah, look, nothing between the sheets happens, you know, it's it's all very platonic and um Seth Rogan adds it was very easy to cure any sexual tension between us, you know. So <laughs> I, I thought that was very funny. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned some of the devices they roll out are familiar things like I think there's a, a divorce party, there's a, a slumber party, there's yes. some dr drunken escapades. Um but you're right how you talk about it. You say, look, if you're the sort of person who keeps asking, oh, why are they doing this? Well, maybe it's not the movie for you because you, you just let go, don't you, and enjoy it, let it sort yeah. of wash over you, I guess. 
Yeah, yeah. It just kind of rolls along at its own pace uh, and it's telling the story quite slowly. But, you know, there's such chemistry between Seth Rogen and Rose Byrne. Clearly they like each other. They've made a couple of movies. Clearly they've gone, let's keep working together. Uh, and, you know, when you've got chemistry between actors like that, it really comes through the screen. That's what makes it feel good. That means that then you can have an episode where not a lot goes on, but it's such a lovely relationship between those actors playing those characters it makes you want to keep watching it so i'm giving a big uh thumbs up to platonic on apple tv plus okay and one thing i two things first of all i think i'll disagree with you that he's a he's a cool dresser i mean he's always walking around in shorts <laughs> which, which looks weird and so he's got this green little He's a hipster. Um, he's a hipster, uh, right? He's getting on a little bit to dress <laughs> like that. Yeah, I yeah, think. yeah. He is but, He is having a bit of a midlife crisis. The other thing I wanted to mention, and maybe if anybody watches this, feel free to email us at comments at um, tvgold.au. Rose Burns accent in this. Does she let the American go and she just sounds yep. a bit like She's an Aussie? totally Aussie. Yeah. She's totally Aussie. In fact, if you look closely, there's a scene in the family kitchen where there's a picture. Uh, she's got a Australia poster on okay. the wall. So yeah. she there, she's leaning into this. She's an Aussie girl who's married an American and stayed there to, you know, raise the kids. Yeah. And that just, just talk to me a little bit about Rose Byrne too. She's, I, she probably didn't start out, but she's become a real sort of comedy icon in a way, hasn't she? playing these roles that, that maybe took off after uh, Bridesmaids, perhaps? Yeah, I think so. Like when she first started, if we think of her, I mean, her first role ever was on uh, Echo Point, the, right. the failed soap on Channel 10. And then she um, did, uh, what was, was she in Two Hands, right? Yeah, she was, yep. Right. Okay. So yep, she was yep. with Heath Ledger. So we sort of saw that. But, you know, she started kind of moving into this comedy area. The movie that I really remember her being hilarious was that film with Russell Brand where he was a pop singer. Was, okay. it, was forgetting Sarah Marshall spun off this film with Russell Brand? Hang on, I'm going to bring it up on Wikipedia here. Yeah. To bring up while you're doing that, some of the other movies, the Bad Neighbours we mentioned before, one and two, uh, Spirited, uh, Like a Boss, Instant Family, uh, maybe kicked off the US success as a comedian with with Bridesmaids. But, but yeah. there's also another side to it. Like she played Gloria Steinem in Mrs. America. Totally you know? right. Um, but I'd like to see her a bit, bit more of that sort of stuff because she's very capable doing either, isn't she? Look, she's pretty much fantastic in everything that she does. You know, for me, she's one of those actors, if she's in a film, uh, I'll watch it because I, 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 I trust her judgment. She always tends to make really good films. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, that's platonic. Apple TV Plus, 10 episodes, um, launching with three. Finally today, a documentary, Love to Love You, comma, Donna Summer. It's on Foxtel and Binge. Now, you, you highlighted this a bit to watch out for last week. We've both had a look at it. And, um, gee whiz, it's just reminded me how, how much great stuff Donna Summer put out. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it, 
I love it that we're going back and looking at people in history. You know, I grew up with Donna Summer. You know, I always liked her music, but I never, ever bought one of her albums. And so I like to kind of go back and revisit this and then say, well, this is actually where she fits in history. She was actually really, really, really important. I I do think I was slightly disappointed in this documentary, though, James, because when you do something love to love you, Donna summer and it's made by the family uh in fact it's made by one of her daughters and it leans in very heavily to the home movies it looks to me like they weren't given a lot of money to make this documentary even though it's on hbo max i don't know whether they commissioned it or whether the family made it at their own cost but what i would have preferred to have seen in this maybe a bit more was some commentary from some of the peers of Donna Summer at the time. I mean, there's a quote in there from Elton John. He's not in the documentary. There's a picture of Elton John and he talks about, you know, how meaningful her music was. But I would have loved to have heard uh, and seen some other people who were from that era talking about how amazing she was. Having said that, though, I still found it really interesting and I liked that the documentary was quite frank about the fact that maybe Donna Summer, you know, wasn't the greatest mother in the world because she was so focused on her career. Um, the part that really made me sit up and, and take note, though, was when we got to the part of where in the 80s she uh, was supposedly to have said that God creative, she became very religious she kind of became a born-again Christian, and uh, she said God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. And, of course, the gay community just went, my God, what a slap in the face. You know, oh. we've we've loved you for so long. You, right. you know, we supported you in those disco days. And then she was reported as saying that AIDS was God's punishment uh, to gays. Now, she came out in this documentary, as we saw, and she denied that. Um, but it's interesting. I thought the doco kind of skipped around what actually happened there. And you tell me if you if this is the impression I got. I got the impression from watching that that Donna Summer became a born-again Christian. She got a bit carried away with that. She probably did say something like God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, but she didn't say that AIDS was God's punishment. And she didn't say that because she was trying to heap scorn on the gay community and that she was kind of shocked at how badly that was received and hadn't really thought that through. But I kind of got the feeling that she had said something vaguely homophobic that had kicked all of this off what do you reckon well i'm like you i'm this doesn't really clear it up this this doco and that's one of my problems with it i i think there's still room for a bit more of a conventional donna summer doco that yes but um i mean this is great if you want to see uh home videos you know um footage like that uh reminisces from uh her children okay the family to me, it misses out a lot. And the, part of the problem is, too, artists back in the day, there's, there's just not the footage around, you know. Yeah. You know everything's filmed 50 times. Yeah. There's so much available. All we've got today is some quite poor quality video of some performances, some yep. TV interviews of, of people like Neil, um, the head of Casablanca Records, what's his name, Neil Bogart. Um, yeah. Talks about how he first, you know, he he had some of her music, but it just wasn't really 
people weren't engaging with it, but then he put it on at a party one night he was having and somebody said, oh, what's that played again? And then it started to snowball from there. But And it's not done chronologically. The, her career is not presented. It sort of jumps across all over the place. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I did have that problem with it. But look, what this does very well is remind you some of the great music. I mean, I totally forgot she had a, an amazing version of MacArthur Park. Yes. You know? <laughs> That's just wonderful. So, I mean, there's, there's little gems like that that um, pop back up. Um, Giorgio Moroder, I think, is one of the few people where there's, there's new material about, you know, that, that's not just old archival footage from other programs, that, that yeah. his, his interviews are good. Yeah, I mean, look, she had an incredible voice and uh, she really is, that queen of disco title is very, very well deserved. But to me, I would like things to be cleared up a little bit about exactly what went wrong in the 80s uh, with her, what she said about homosexuality. Um, it's, It's not, it's left very unclear in this doco and there's look there's no point if we're, if, if her daughters are going to come out in a documentary and say look mum wasn't the greatest mother because she was so career focused mm. then let's get to the bottom and tell the truth about what actually was said back then you know i mean you know it's just it just kind of, I, I was just left wanting more at the end of this doco does if she had said that does that impact her legacy and does it impact the enjoyment of her music? Well, you know, we're going through this all at the moment now, mm. aren't we? I mean, I was listening to this on the radio this morning. Can we separate the artist, the art from the artist that is the monster? You know, mm. this has come up with the death of Rolf Harris and people have been talking about it with Woody Allen. Um, look, I what the documentary did include was Donna Summers saying, I never said that AIDS was a punishment from God. You know, I took the feeling from this that she had said something in a bit of a religious fervor that she later regretted saying. And, you know, so she did sort of say, I'm not going to go down this road of actually condemning, you know, gay men as, hey, God is giving you a punishment and giving this disease. She said she never said that. I'm going to believe her. Did she probably say something ill-advised as part of her newfound religious fervor in the 80s? She probably did. And that's disappointing. But yeah, I don't think that you can let go of that incredible music catalog that she's got starting with I love to love you baby which is you know the one one of the, the one of the most influential uh tracks for disco and dance music uh to follow and you know you know her songs you know there are so many bangers there it's like I'm not going to not play Donna Summer at the party uh you know I just think it's a shame that when that you know it's it's particularly upsetting though when you've got someone that's been providing the soundtrack to a gay life for a decade, then finding finding God again because she was brought up in the church. She was always, you know, singing gospel and making statements like that. It is very, very, very disappointing. Yeah. You mentioned the Queen of Disco and that comes up at one stage in the doco and one of the family members said, oh, how did she feel about being called the Queen of Disco? And Donna Summer's reaction, well, it's better, better to be the Queen of something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that was a nice little aside. So, yeah, look, love to love you, Donna Summer. That's out now. I think it's an HBO doco, isn't it? It's on Foxtel and Binge.
Yeah, and while we're talking docos, I'll just mention the other doco that I watched there on Fox Docos was about Ron Jeremy, the porn okay. star, and very much about all of the sexual abuse allegations that came up against him. And, of course, the porn industry is one of these places with really blurred lines about, you know, grabbing each other, groping. Uh, so it was kind of, you know, interesting. Um, next week they're going to screen uh, – a documentary uh, on BHP Newcastle called A City Within a City. This is made by my friends Tony Whitaker and Chit Chat. Chit Chat, who used to be on Music Max. I've seen this doco. It is fantastic. The stuff you learn about BHP Newcastle and the incredible number of firsts they did, the first company to introduce an Indigenous work unit. One of the first companies in Australia too, if you got injured and disabled at work, they would keep you working and uh, find a new job for you. One of the first uh, companies to put women into male roles. And there are some hilarious stories that some of those women tell about coming into the male workspace and saying, okay, you can keep that poster on the wall and that poster on the wall, but you've got to take that one down or we're going to come back next week and put a dick on that wall. And, you know, it's just some great, great stories there. So that's BHP Newcastle. I highly recommend you watch that. And then also um, SBS next week have got history of the sitcom on Wednesday night, which will be one to watch back on SBS On Demand. I think this is a CNN special that they've made and going back at the how uh, America kind of ruled the world with situation comedies there for a long time. So TV fans will want to watch that. Yeah, SBS seems to have a deal with um CNN for its doco series. I think they've just finished the um, the Murdoch seven part doco that was made yeah. by CN- CNN and the New York Times. So, and that's where that excellent reframed Marilyn Monroe documentary comes from. That's okay. a CNN acquisition. So you you're right. They must yeah. have a relationship. It's strange that CNN don't actually screen them for yeah. viewers in Australia. But, but anyway, that at least they're available. Um, all I've got left for, for this week is the um, I've been. This month, the US upfronts have been showcasing some of the new shows coming. Um, the It's been interesting looking at the impact of the writer's strike, what it's having on the sort of productions. There just seems to be a lot of reality and unscripted oh, with God, question marks about the, some of the dramas. They're, they're getting delayed and with sort of depending on what will be the outcome of this writer's strike, which is starting to look like it could go on for a little while. I know the directors and the actors have got new uh, industry agreements that expire at the end of June. So let's just hope this doesn't get out of hand big time. Yeah. The, the upside might be for viewers that, well, give us time to go back and explore some of the series we've yes. lost over because there's been so much content in the last couple of years. So there'll be, you know, there, there will be a way to um, keep watching TV. Can we circle back to something really quickly, James? You and I spoke about Love and Death on Foxtel Binge a few weeks back, which is telling the same story as Candy on Disney+. Yes. And I said to you, oh, it's a bit slow. Why am I watching the same story all over again? I've got to tell you, though, I literally sit here counting it down for that new episode to start. It's really won me over because it is just such a bizarre, bizarre murder mystery. And um, this is a very different take to Candy, and I'm right mm. there week by week waiting to see how love and death is going to end up. The, the episode they'll drop this week is she's about to take the stand. Uh, so I'm fascinated to see that. And, of course, James, next Monday, 
We have to drop no. everything at midday to watch the final episode of Succession, <laughs> 90 minutes movie length. Yeah. no, It's all coming to an end. That'll be amazing. And I'm glad you mentioned Love and Death because, yeah, I too am waiting for that last episode. And that not the court case grouping the way they've grouping. done that? Just fantastic. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, Andrew. Look, that's been uh, TV Gold. Don't forget you can email us at comments at tvgold.au. Can we get a little taste of what's in your Media Week column this week? Geez, you know, I guess I'm going to write some more about the clearing and streaming services making local productions. I haven't really thought about it yet, James. I'll get off this and think about it. Oh, there's plenty to dig up on the clearing, I'm sure. All right, Andrew, great talking to you. We'll be back and do it again next week. Thanks, James. Have a great week. 